People have been saying that buying a car in Singapore is really expensive. Fortunately, there are different modes of transport for you to move around. One of them is car sharing services. In this episode, we are going to compare car sharing with owning a car and using private hire vehicles. Along the way, you'll get some tips on how to save money on your transport. We're also going to imagine the future of transport and it is going to be completely different from the world we have right now. So ride along with us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome to another Chill with TFC session. In this series, we hope to bring on interesting and relevant people to help us learn better from various perspectives. Life is not always about learning from the people you agree with. Different perspectives shape us to be more well-rounded in our thinking. So in our pursuit of the life we love, while managing our finances well, our guest for today is going to help us break down the costs of owning a car in Singapore, understand the car sharing business, and talk about how to save money on your transport by using different options. Let's welcome Managing Director and Co-Founder of GetGo, Ting Fong. Okay, let's break down the costs of okay. owning a car in Singapore. Okay. I think um, Singapore is one of the most expensive places to own a car in the world. You know, everyone knows mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Singapore, uh, the government imposes controls on how many cars we can have on the roads. And the way they do the control is via the COE system, Certificate of Entitlement, right? I think in the most recent COE bidding exercise, the COE for a Cat A car, which is the smallest category, uh, was around $48,000, right? And this COE allows you to own the car for a period of 10 years, right? What this means that if you were to buy a new car in Singapore, like a new, let's say Mazda 3, you know, economy-sized sedan, it will cost you in the ballpark of around $100,000, right? That's a brand new car, right? Maybe you don't need a brand new car, so you go for a car that's perhaps four to five years old, right? So I'll use that as an example. So a car to four to five years old, a Master 3, for example, will cost anywhere between fifty-five dollars to $60,000. That's the price of the asset, right? Um, but when you look at what is the cost of owning the car, what you really look at for the most part is depreciation. So some might not call it an asset. <laughs> It's like the it, moment you buy it, the moment you open the door, starts depreciating from that it, point in time. It is an asset, but it's a depreciating asset. So it All has right. capital value. Yeah. You can still resell it, but the amount of money you can resell it gets lesser and lesser over the years, mm. right? Um, so how you calculate depreciation is you look at how much the car will cost you, and then at the end of the useful life, let's say at the end of five years when you sell it, how much money you can get back, right? So if I buy a car for 55000 for example... And after five years, when the CE runs out, I can dispose of it for 5000 It cost me 50000 over five years. So that's ten k a year just to own the car, right? On top of that, you have insurance. Insurance costs probably around 1005 a year. You have maintenance. Let's put it at a couple of hundred, 500 right? Uh, you have parking. You know, HDB season parking, cover mm. car park is $120 a month. That's another 1004 a year. And then you have 
interest because most people when they buy a car they don't fork out fifty five thousand dollars they will take a loan right and the loan interest on that you know roughly is around a thousand two thousand a year so when you add that all up plus patrol really the monthly cost of ownership for average economy japanese sedan in singapore is anywhere from thousand two to thousand five hundred dollars to own the car and what happens if you own a car but you only use it on the weekends Right. How, how many times can you drive on the weekend? Four, five times? Right. That makes 20 trips a month. And that means that the cost of each trip is probably somewhere close to $70, $80. Okay. Right. So that is right. the cost of owning a car and then using it for around 20 times a month. Like right? divide by per trip. Yeah, divide per trip, mm. right? Because it's all about using the car, right? Of course, if you use it 100 times a month, obviously, please go and own the car, right? Because you use it every day, three or four trips for your work or whatever. Obviously, dividing the cost per trip, right? Yeah. It's a logical, functional way of like measuring the, the cost. Yeah. But there's the emotional aspects. You're yes. saying, I really like driving, for example. Yes. Or it's just the convenience of like, anytime I can go down to my car park and, and drive my car out to wherever I want to go. Yes, I that's mean, right. Like, those are harder to calculate. Yes, that's right. That's right. So, so I, I think, you know, eventually, maybe there will still be 50% of people who want to own cars and can afford to own cars. And what about the rest of the people? They can't afford it or don't want to come out with a hefty financial uh, commitment, right? But you raise a good point. I think availability is one very important factor, right? And that's part of our mission as well. Part of our mission is to get to an operational scale whereby you won't feel anxious that you're not able to get the car, right? Furthermore, we also allow people to book the car in advance. Most longer trips, you know you're going to make the trips. You know, it's not, okay, I suddenly feel like driving out today. Some people are like that, and obviously we fulfill that need. Go for a spin. Go for a spin, yeah. but sometimes we're like, okay, I need to fetch my mom for her medical appointment this Saturday at 9 p.m. Or, you know, I'm bringing up my girlfriend to Changi Coastal Settlement at 7 p.m. on Saturday night. You can make an advance booking. So, so you have no fear of the car not being available, right? And at the same time, we are adding more and more cars to the fleet, you know. Well, convenience is definitely very important. And yeah. I also agree with you on the total cost of ownership part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all know it's expensive to get a car in Singapore. <laughs> yes, it is. If you can afford it, you know, just by all means go ahead if you want to drive. Yeah. But for many of us, it's like, okay, like, I can afford it, but is it worth it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's about personal finances, right? Like you said earlier on, the car is an asset, but it's a depreciating asset. If I were to rewind, you know, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if I had a car sharing service, I may have delayed my decision to buy a car. There comes a point in time where you may need to or want to have a car, but previously there weren't alternatives. Right now there's an alternative. You can use a car sharing service flexibly. You can save your salary and your income and invest in real assets that generate a return, you know, and not just depreciate. So I think... That's why we also appeal a lot to the younger generation. When we look at our user demographics, actually more than 50% of our users are below 35. It's a mixture of not being able to afford a car and not wanting to buy a car, right? And you know, there's this big movement which you guys are part of, FIRE, right? <laughs> right? Financial independence, we talk about early. a lot about it. Yeah. We, you guys talk a lot about it. And Earlier, we talked about total cost of ownership of the car, but you don't forget, there's also a down payment. The down payment is 30%, right? So there's 15, five figures there. Yeah, yeah. that 15000 or even call it 10000 If you put it into a diversified equity fund, you earn 70 10%. That is your money growing instead of 
sitting in the car park empty 80% of the time, right? So from the personal finance point of view, we believe that we can let people have their cake and eat it, right? You can have the freedom of driving, yet you don't need to put in, you know, half your income into it. Okay, so what are the choices we have? Like you drive your own car, we have ride-sharing services, yep. and we have private hire vehicles. Yes, For, for right. transport, that's about it, right? Yes. The uh, available choices we have right yes, now. Yes, yes. So if you look at Singapore alone, um, pre-pandemic, actually there were around 10 million trips a day, commuting trips, right? So around 70% of that happens on public transportation, so 7 million trips. So this is your MRT, your bus, you know, people going to work, people going to school. So very predictable, frequent routes right and maybe longer distance right so public transport will always be here to stay for this type of trips and then you have your ride hailing and taxis so pre-pandemic it was around a million trips a day and taxis are on-demand service right that's what they really fulfill so if you need to go from one place to one other place on demand short distance it makes sense right and i think that will be here to stay as well right but obviously, when you use a point-to-point -point service like ride-hailing, the costs are high. You know, taxi rides are not cheap. Grab rides are not cheap during certain hours, right? Why? Because you need someone to drive you. Your driver needs to earn money on that service, right? So when you do longer trips and multi-stop trips, that's when point-to-point -point services may not make as much sense. If I need to travel during peak hour or if I need to travel a long distance or I need to go for multiple spots, that's when the cost of point-to-point -point adds up, right? And that's where car sharing can come in as an alternative. So we believe that car sharing can help to fulfill a small proportion of the use cases of ride-hailing, but we're not here to take over Replace or right. There's still a space mm. for it. And really the last part of it is people who own cars, right? So I believe, if I'm not wrong, again, pre-pandemic, 600,000 cars, there were around 1 to 2 million private car trips in Singapore. That means people driving their own cars, right? So that averages out to be about two trips a day, right? But obviously, a lot of that is driven by people who really drive the car around the whole day. Your property agents, insurance agents, financial advisors, salespeople. So what we're really going for is a more significant slice of that market. If you say replace 20% of that privately owned car trips with car sharing trips. That's already 200,000 trips a day. And hopefully by doing so, we can reduce the number of cars that are wanted and needed on the roads in the first place. Environmental concerns. Environmentally friendly, because the production of a car does have a carbon footprint, right? And research has shown that for a mature car sharing service, each car sharing vehicle can potentially replace five to 12 vehicles. So that's what we hope to do, right? By convincing people that they don't need to own cars, we hope to be in line with the government's uh, goals of reducing car ownership and yet still maintaining that flexibility and the freedom for people. So it depends on the use case. You're saying that, you know, if you want to go for a ride-sharing service, probably you're running some errands, like you need to go from mm -hmm. point to point B to point C, different mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to carry bulky items. Yes, that's, that's right, you... for, for car sharing, that's right. A typical use case need to go to supermarket, mm. right? And supermarket, you don't spend very long period shopping, maybe one, two hours, right? But it's a two-way trip. And you kind of want to have the ability to bring someone along and store things, right? So I think that is one use case for us. Another use case for us is, you know, when you want to go somewhere far away for dinner, right? If you were to take a grab at 7 o'clock from 
Pongo to Changi, maybe 25, 30 bucks, two ways, you know, 50, 60 bucks, right? Oh, okay. Right. Why, why not rent a car, car sharing, you can rent it for three hours, pay 40 bucks, and you have the car with you all the way, you know, and you're, and you're driving it yourself. And lastly, there are also some people that use it for business. If I run a small e-commerce business, you know, I want to do some deliveries myself. Delivery, oh, okay. Yeah, so you can also use the car. Of course, you can also rent a van. I mean, there are many, many options, but these are some of the use cases that we see uh, in our service. Mm, so what I can take away is that, you know, like it really depends on your intention for the day. Like what do you want exactly. to achieve? Your exactly. objective? Like maybe go for the right sharing instead of just yes. getting a, the, a they are They are complementary. If you, if you know what you're going to do, how long you're going to need it for, and you appreciate having a, a vehicle where you can take more people and you can leave quickly when you're done, then car sharing may be the use case. If your day is a bit more dynamic, you don't know, you know what time you're going to be done or when you're going to need a vehicle, then maybe ride sharing is useful. Okay. Yeah. So you know the transportation market very well, right? I mean, so in this industry, like where are the companies investing in, in this space? Uh, in transportation in general? In general. In general. I mean, obviously the biggest success so far is Grab, right? Uh, Grab started out as a ride-hailing company, point-to-point on demand. I actually used to work at Grab when Grab was competing very heavily with Uber. Um, but obviously Grab has now a much bigger appetite, right? They're going into food delivery, mm-hmm. they're going to finances and all that. So I think another category that is um, quite big, you know, a lot of investment from the tech angle going into is... Uh, car classifieds, right? So helping dealers buy and sell cars and advertising. So you have your SG Carmart, you know, there's Caro, big news today, they raised a whole bunch of money. There's also Carousel, who's also going to, uh, you know, motorbikes. Selling cars. cars. Uh, selling cars and all right. that. So that's a big market, but that's still the ownership market, right? So they are helping people buy and sell and own cars and helping the dealers along the way, right? In terms of car sharing, I think, the largest player is obviously Blue SG, right? And Blue SG, I mean, they, they have electric vehicles, they have government support, and they've been around for a couple of years, right? So I think they are the ones who are quite large in this space. Of course, there are some other car sharing players. But for us, I think by the end of the year, we should be the largest car sharing platform in Singapore, and that, that's our goal. So I would say we, we are investing quite heavily in, 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 in car sharing growing the car sharing ecosystem yeah that's your focus right yes that's right that's okay. right talked about electric vehicles mm-hmm. right? what do you think is the future of that i i think it's a it's a mega trend right um you know with the environmental concerns on one hand and the developments in battery technology i think electric vehicles are really the future you know the electric vehicles need to be a part of an ecosystem you need infrastructure and you also need the cars themselves, right? So what happened this year is we see the government pushing very hard on the infrastructure end, right? They want to build 60,000 charging points in Singapore, so check. So the infrastructure is going to be there. So now what remains to be catalyzed is really the cars themselves, because there are not that many options for affordable electric vehicles. Uh, the not government yet. made some changes in you know, COE and road tax and all that, so I think that will help the adoption. So I think uh, over the next few years, we will see exponential adoption of EVs. And it is in our plans also to put EVs on our fleet, but only when the time is right. Mm. But it's a matter of when, it's not a matter of Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so you definitely see it coming. I definitely see it coming, yes. But how do you position yourself? Like, you know, like you need to be part of the charging points of the, about the whole grid and the infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to start so, investing early. So we, we are an asset light service, right? So what we do is we connect the cars to the drivers. We don't own the cars, right? So similarly, we don't have to own the charging infrastructure. So what we do is we will look for like-minded partners who are in the infrastructure space, who own electric cars, to come together, put the infrastructure and the cars on our platform. And then what we do is we we help them find people to use and utilize their cars, right? So that is our strategy. So we are already, you know, obviously in talks and, you know, we have made good relationships with different people within the ecosystem. Charging infrastructure players, you know, OEMs, then with the people who make the cars, the car makers, right? Uh, as well as, you know, fleet owners, right? So, so that's how we intend to be part of this uh, electrification journey. But there's still this part we haven't spoken about. One part of it, which is last mile service, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, electric scooters or even bikes, you know, mm-hmm. how, how does it fit into the whole picture, including getting on a ride sharing yep. and then using like a, a scooter to get to your final location? Like, how, how does it yeah. piece together? I, I think uh, a last mile of micro-mobility is, uh, is interesting. I think, you know, maybe three, four years back, we had this big wave of bike-sharing companies, right? Um, first of all, I think active mobility and car sharing are complementary because ultimately, you need to get to the car, right? Of course, we try and put the car as near our users as possible. So we literally put it in your car park downstairs, right? But for people who are a bit further away, you know, they can use their skate scooter or, or their foldable bike and get to our cars. Then they can drive and then they can use it to get back. So it's perfectly complementary. In Singapore, I think people can generally afford micro-mobility, right? I mean, skate scooter or foldable bike isn't that expensive of an asset and it's healthy. So, you know, people who are keen to use that, they will typically... Just buy one. You know? I think they have to take tests nowadays. That's for PMDs, which uh, is a, which is a different which is a different category because okay. PMDs are a bit more dangerous. They have lithium ion batteries, so those are heavily regulated now. You can only use those on park connectors. So the use case has severely dropped. Right, you don't see that many around. You don't see that right many now, around. Yeah, you know, there was a period in time, maybe two years ago, they were on the pavements, <laughs> and obviously most people use it responsibly, but there are some people who don't yeah, use it. Yeah, black sheep. Right? I mean, you can hear it from a distance away. Yes, <laughs> correct, correct, right, correct. With the, the techno songs playing, you know, you know, a uh, PMD is coming. Yes, that's right, that's right. So, so we believe that active mobility in general is complementary with um with car sharing, um and uh, the car itself is really to bring you across a large distance. You your family or your friends and maybe the things you want to carry along with you, right? So if you want to have a picnic with family, you can't, you know, skate scooter all the way to the over there. Uh, you'll be very tired, but you'll yeah. Be very tired, yeah. So so then that's where the car comes in, lah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I need the convenience of being able to put that skate scooter anywhere, right? Yes. If not I have to put it on a car or yes. find a, a parking lot to put it. Yes. You yes, know, scan yes. the QR code or something. Yes, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it all has so, to come together. Yes, it all come together, yes. Okay. It's, a, it's really an ecosystem, right? 
Yeah. Let's look further into the future. What do you think is the future of transportation? Let's talk about robo-taxis, mm-hmm. full self-driving, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all the futuristic things. Like, what, yeah. what do you see? What do you I get out of it? If you look, let's say, 20, 30 years down, you know, I think, first of all, transport will be all automated, right? Um, like, you believe in that? I, I believe in that. Mm-hmm. I believe it'll still take a while because level 5 autonomy is not so straightforward. Right? Can you define it for us? Level 5 autonomy. Level 5 is like fully autonomous. So you have a car that can drive you around in, in, a, in a live city-like environment. Okay, right? so, so they're, they're, I'm they're in a car. Levels. I can get on a meeting. I can play games. I can read yes, a book. Yes, you don't have to do anything. Hands-free right. driving. Right? Okay. Um, so I think that will take a while to come. But it will come eventually. And when that comes, basically it frees up more human capital. You, you don't need drivers anymore. Either to drive themselves or to drive other people. I like the way you phrase it, frees out human capital. Because for some people, they'll think that, okay, drivers are going to be obsolete. It, yes. it, an entire industry is going to be wiped out, like loss yes. of jobs and, and all that. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the jobs will go away, but obviously our people can upskill and do other things, right? I mean, that, that is the goal. That is the vision, right? Even if you're not a professional driver, you will save time, right? By being able to do other things in the car. So we see that coming, but not so soon. Um, and obviously, all these vehicles will be electric, right? So then you have, you know, fleets of autonomous vehicles together with autonomous trains, together with autonomous buses, right? And that, that, that will form the future ecosystem, right? But people will still need a way to access these vehicles, right? So that's where, you know, people like us, you know, if, if we develop expertise in managing a fleet of vehicles, well, we'll continue to provide a service. Then you can choose to drive or you can choose for the car to drive yourself, you know? And all car makers will try to move towards that eventually. Okay, so paint the picture together with me, right? Yeah, yeah. Based on what you believe. Sure. So today I'm going to work. Yeah. I call a, a car on my app. Mm-hmm. It comes, no driver. Mm-hmm. The door opens, I get in. Mm-hmm. I go for my meeting or I listen to some meditation music, whatever, yes. right? Yes. You know, Because yes. I'm free to do whatever I want. Yeah. Or if I want, I can choose to drive. Yes. Because there's always the joy of driving for That's some right. people. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And you're seeing like autonomous trains and autonomous... Yeah, I mean, a lot of our like... MRTs now are autonomous. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only have a staff in there in case of emergency. Agencies. But because trains run on schedule, right? So a lot of public transport, a lot of rail networks are either semi or fully autonomous, really, right? The next one to go is buses. But of course, I think for buses, a lot of the trials now are around controlled environments. So within a certain campus where there are no other cars, so they're traveling with autonomous buses. So that will come next, but that will come by zone. So for really full autonomy across the entire city, that's going to take a while. Mm, you're guesstimating 10 years, 20 years? or I mean, it's always hard to guesstimate technology because suddenly things can change overnight. Right, right. But based on what we see now, I would say at least 10, if not 15 years for full autonomy. Yeah. Right. It's possible that no drivers on the road. No drivers it's all self driven. Yeah. All self driven, okay. yeah. Okay, well, with the free time, there'll be like apps in your car, right? Because you have so, yeah. many, so many things so to the, do. The, so if you look at some of the designs, the car will look completely different. You won't have four seats all facing front. You have seats facing each other. Right, four seats playing mahjong. It's like a meeting room. Exactly. <laughs> in a car. You can, have a mar- you can have mahjong in a car and you can admire the scenery. They'll be designed more like trains, potentially, oh. right? Okay. Where you have people facing each other and you can you can do stuff. You can have a big infotainment system. You know, Teslas already have the giant screen, you know. Um, and Tesla offers some level of autonomy on highways and stuff like that. But yeah, so I think that is the future. Ultimately, the point of transportation is to transport humans. So you still need that good human to vehicle interface, right? 
for you to access the vehicles, you know, for you to dictate when you want it, where you want to go, right? And then, of course, the vehicle and the technology will take care of the driving and the routing and all that. Yeah, right. But, but that's the future. Um, but yes, it, it'll still take a while to come. So, as you and I are describing this future, I'm not sure if you're like excited, hopeful, optimistic, or like you know, like you, you can't imagine or you don't want it. I mean, different people react differently yeah, to yeah. technological changes, right? Yeah. I think it'd be a great advancement. I, I, I believe that because first of all, it'll be much more efficient uh, in terms of uh, using our resources. So climate-wise, you know, uh, I think it will be better for the climate because there are less emissions because all these autonomous vehicles will be electric. Secondly, we will be a more efficient road network. So I don't think we need as many roads anymore, mm. right? Uh, and we don't need as many cars anymore. You know, road space, if you go and research, I can't remember the numbers, it takes up a ridiculous percentage of our Singapore land space. And so if you move towards the autonomous, you can save a lot on land space as well, right? And the last thing, like I said, it really frees up human capital, right? So for those people who opt to drive, they can drive for pleasure, right? But if you just need to get from point A to point B, let the machine take care of it for you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I hope you've learned something useful today and I truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconuts. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our socials, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. For more information, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week, and remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. I do have three questions that I have for you. Sure. What is one core life principle that you hold closely to? For me, I, I believe in uh, that one should always be trying to be adding value to whatever thing you're working on or to whatever relationships you have, right? So I have this I have this philosophy of, you know, what you get out of something, you know, be it a relationship or a project or work, it's almost always proportional to what you put into it, right? So I, I believe in that. So be it in my personal life, my friendships or my work, I always try to be of value add, right? You always try to be positive, putting in effort, you know, giving advice, right? and making the endeavor or the relationship better. Yeah, so I think that's one of my principles, right? Always um, be adding value. Always be adding value. That's right, okay. that's right. And then you couple that with having a, a bias for action, right? That means uh, do something, right? Mm. Do something positive. Ideally, is do something and that something is positive. You, you know? fine-tune a bit, like, uh, yeah. don't add value, but do something. Right? Yeah, but okay. do something. As some people think about adding value, but if you don't do, it's just all on your head. Right. Well, so, there's no so actual value created. Always take that first step. Yeah. Always think of doing something positive and take that first step. Be it for yourself, for your relationships, for your investment, for your work, you know. Yeah. So I think that's that's one of my principles. Yeah. Okay. We're a finance podcast. So what is one piece of personal finance advice that you feel needs to be shared more often? One advice I have is uh, don't just save money but invest. Because when you save money, it's cash. Cash gets eroded by inflation, blah, blah. Um, but when you invest, then you let that money compound for you. But a lot of people have a barrier towards investing. It's scary. It's complex, right? So 
I have another philosophy is just to keep things simple, right? And just take small steps, right? Small steps, keep it simple, invest in a 60-40 equity bond portfolio or whatever, but just take that first step and ideally automate it. Every month, you know, invest $50, $100, whatever amount it is, it is good. Do that first investment and get, get it automated. And then that's how as uh, individuals and, you know, young working adults, you can build capital base for yourself. So you let capital work for you on top of your own human capital, right? Yeah. And don't, don't think too much. Some, some people overthink their investment decisions, even though, you know, they're just getting started, you know, and that overthinking becomes a barrier, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so invest, get started, you know, do something small. Yeah. Last question I have for you today. Which part of your life are you giving additional focus to right now? I have a family. So, you know, I'm married with two young kids. So I think um, I try to make sure that I put a lot of my energy and my time into building that, you know, relationship with my wife and my kids. Uh, despite, you know, uh, obviously, you know, work and get go taking out a lot of my time, right? Like I said, you know, what you put into something is what you're going to get out of it. So if you want to have a close relationship with your loved ones, you have to put in the effort, you know. Nothing replaces that, that effort and that time. So I try and do that while also doing the same thing at work as well. And at work, you know, I think uh, my philosophy is people everything, right? Any business, any product is driven by the people that make it happen, right? So I try and invest in the relationships at work, you know, developing and grooming, you know, my teammates, you know, and yeah, helping them achieve more as well. Yeah, so... These are the areas that I'm really focusing a lot of energies on. Yeah. Okay, like that kind of ties up everything, like value add, but in this case, your family, your yes. people working together with, yes, you know, yes, all the people yes. that you're so, working together so that, with. That's how, that's how I'm value adding now, yes. Okay, yeah, so. all right. Yeah. That's all I have for you today. Thank oh, you. Thanks very much, Andrew, Thank you. For, for having me on the podcast. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 